We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select... Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by The Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome, Bears fans, to Picks for Polls, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, Yusei Koshal. We recorded this episode on Wednesday, March 8th, year following uh, the, uh, the franchise tag deadline that was yesterday for the NFL. And Yusei, we are officially like a week away from the start of the new 2023 league year for the NFL. So free agency is going to be kicking off in about a week. So we're going to be entering a bit of, probably a bit of a quiet period. It's going to be a lot of rumors, I'm sure, going around of, you know, players and teams being interested and in, in, in all that stuff going on, trades being talked about. Um, it's it's going to be a wild time over the next week or so. But before we get into what we're going to be covering today, you say it. How are you doing today, man? Yeah, I'm doing well. It's like you said, it seems like the Super Bowl just ended yesterday and we've had this past week alone a handful of moves go down that you look at and you say some of these we expected, some of these we quite frankly didn't expect, which – again, has just made the picture so much more interesting for the team that has the first overall pick. And then also has like $98 million in cap space to spend. So it's just going to be an interesting off season, right? And I mean, I'm just going to throw this out there. Thank you to the listeners for tuning in each week, but make sure you check out our free agency roundtable. It's on YouTube. It is on all the podcasting platforms as well. Make sure you're checking out our scouting combine review as well with myself and Zach Pearson. And then we just had um, Shaw Network's Sean Hammond on today on the Bear Report podcast, just doing a quick scouting combine recap. So check all that content out. It's really good stuff you will not want to miss. Yeah, especially check out that roundtable if you want to get our thoughts on uh, NFL free agency, some of the players that we're interested in, some of the moves that we think the Bears should or maybe even shouldn't make, and some of the main storylines going on there. We also talked a little bit about the tag situation, which we'll cover a little bit here. Um, but yeah, make sure to check that out. We were on that with Zach uh, the other day, and that was a really fun conversation getting the cover. Uh, free agency coming up in a week. 
Um, today for our episode, we're going to be focusing on continuing our position preview for the 2023 NFL draft, focusing on offensive line today. Um, in our last episode, we focused on quarterback and did our preview for the quarterback position. So today we're going to be looking at the, the uh, mean guys in the trenches there, the big hog mollies there, and, and give you guys a little bit of a look at, you know, offensive tackles, interior offensive linemen that the Bears potentially could be looking to draft in this upcoming draft. Before we get into that, though, you said, uh, I did mention it before, but we did have the franchise tag deadline close yesterday, and there was an interesting news from that. Uh, you know, Lamar Jackson gave the non-exclusive tag from the Baltimore Ravens. Um, so basically what that means is Lamar Jackson, uh, in, in order – in exchange for the, basically being tagged at a lower rate compared to an exclusive tag, um, he is still allowed to negotiate with other teams. But here's the catch with that. If he decides to sign an offer sheet from another team and the Baltimore Ravens let him go, they would owe the Ravens, the other team would owe the Ravens two first-round picks um, in exchange for that. Uh, a bit of a dicey move here by the Ravens, you know, and this comes off the heels of Daniel Jones, Geno Smith, all getting extensions with the Giants and Seahawks, respectively. Saquon Barkley getting the tag in New York. Just a, a lot of movement at the deadline there for the franchise tag. Uh, you say, what do you make of all that, that entire situation there with Lamar, Daniel Jones, Gene Smith, all that stuff before we get into the meat of our podcast today? The Lamar Jackson stuff is about as interesting as it gets because both sides have been going back and forth for two years now trying to hammer out a long-term deal. On top of that, you go look at what happened in New York. Kind of the Daniel Jones negotiations went down to the very last minute. And then you go ahead and you look at Saquon Barkley kind of getting the franchise tag. Again, I'm not going to say I'm a Daniel Jones fan, but at the end of the day, like if you're the Giants organization, I mean – Things worked out heavily in your favor there. And then on top of it, you look at kind of everything that transpired with Lamar Jackson. The Ravens and Lamar have been trying to get a deal knocked out for basically two years at this point. And now it's a bit of a gutsy move, right? Because it's going to be the one quarterback domino that no one knows what will happen. The fact being that right after Lamar Jackson kind of got the tag we started hearing like five or six quarterback needy teams saying we're not going to pursue Lamar like the Panthers for example the Raiders the Falcons were in on it too in terms of we're not going to pursue Lamar like the reality of it all comes down to the fact that there's something bigger going on with Lamar but now you have to wonder if a deal is made over the next couple weeks then do the Ravens potentially try and say, hey, we're going to get into some of these quarterback sweepstakes here and try to move up for someone? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I could definitely see that being the case as well. Lamar, Lamar Jackson is just really fascinating because um, for all intents and purposes, when you have a quarterback of that level hit the market, like, I mean, he's still technically – yeah, he's franchise tag, but he's still technically on the market. He's still allowed to sign with another team. Um, it would just be up to whether the Ravens would be willing to match an offer. I mean, we know what it comes down to for this. Lamar Jackson wants the fully guaranteed Deshaun Watson deal. The Ravens aren't willing to go that far in terms of fully guaranteeing a contract, which, I mean, the Ravens, you look at their contract history with all their players, like they are very, they will very heavily um, push guarantees in the contract. So it's not like they're a franchise that is not afraid to guarantee money for their players, but they're not 
they're not going with the fully guaranteed route. I think you mentioned like all these all these teams basically signaling that they're not going for Lamar Jackson on the open market, not wanting to go, not really interested in signing him. Can we say there's collusion there? Like it, it seems kind of odd that like you have the news about Lamar Jackson getting franchise tagged, and like literally like right after the tag, it's announced. You have all these NFL reporters saying like so X team isn't you know interested in signing Lamar Jackson. Y team is not interested in signing Lamar Jackson. Like I mean, they just had the owners meetings. I think like a few days ago or something like that. So I wonder, <laughs> it's not hard to make that connection or to come to that conclusion that the owners are in on this. I think when it comes down to that, whether it's, whether it is collusion or whether, you know, that, that, that is something, you know, going on or whatever, you know, who's to say, but I think it does signal that owners in the NFL are not willing to make a fully guaranteed contract at the quarterback position like Deshaun Watson, um, the precedent. They don't want to make that the standard moving forward for future quarterback contracts. Um, and again, there are ways to structure contracts where they're virtually fully guaranteed, just the basis off the way that it's structured and the way that you can have rolling guarantees year to year to year. That's what Patrick Holmes' contract is, Josh Allen's, um, some of the other big name quarterback contracts that have been signed over the past few years. But yeah, owners, the owners in the NFL clearly don't want the Deshaun Watson deal where it's fully guaranteed at signing and there's no wiggle room to get out of it. I think that's, that's something that kind of scares them with this. And with Lamar Jackson in particular, like you look at him, you know, I I think him not having an agent probably hurts him from that standpoint in this, because you'd have an agent that'd be able to, you know, on one hand, being able to advocate for him without, you know, having personal feelings being felt like they're being attacked going one-on-one with a team and also maybe even able to talk some sense to him a little bit and say like, you know what, you're not going to get the fully guaranteed deal. We can still find a way to make it so it's virtually fully guaranteed, just not, you know, fully guaranteed in, in, in writing essentially. So um, it, it kind of hurts Lamar Jackson. there not having an agent. And also, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's with, we look at Lamar Jackson as a player, the fact that he hasn't been able to finish a full season over the last two years, injuries have kind of shortened his seasons over the last few years, the lack of playoffs is success. You know, there are some questions from some, I'm sure that, you know, he's played in a very specific offense tailored to his skill set. You know, is he able to play in an offense that isn't specifically tailored like that? You know, a lot of questions like that, I'm sure. But I mean, nonetheless, I mean, Lamar Jackson's a top eight or so quarterback in the NFL. He's a former MVP. You'd think that teams would be all in on this and be willing to pay the farm in order to get him into their building there and fix their quarterback problems, especially the Falcons. Like that, the Falcons just seemed like a no brainer to be aggressive and make that move happen. So I was really surprised when I heard that they weren't interested. You know, we'll see what happens over the course of the next, you know, few months or so. Maybe this is something where, you know, the Ravens are able to resolve this and get a long term deal for Lamar. Maybe this drags out all the way into next year, and we'll be talking about the same exact thing next offseason around this time of the year where they're going to be playing the franchise tag game again. And not a lot has changed in Baltimore or with Lamar Jackson's situation, but time will only tell what happens with that. Um, should be a very fascinating offseason story for sure, though. Um, but moving on then to our main topic for today's podcast, let's continue then on our 
2023 NFL Draft position previews by shifting from quarterbacks to our offensive line discussion here. And, you know, offensive line, it's going to be a big topic, I think, for many Bears fans throughout the offseason. How do the Bears address this offensive line? You know, free agency is coming up in about a week, so certainly it's going to be on the minds of a lot of Bears fans depending on who the Bears end up signing in free agency and bringing into the building there. But the draft is going to be an important part to addressing this offensive line as well. So today, uh, we're going to be doing what we did for the quarterbacks last week, looking at a top five at offensive tackle and in the interior for top, for top five interior offensive linemen, looking at sleepers and overhyped prospects for each group, the offensive tackles and interior offensive linemen. Let's start with the offensive tackles, you say. I'll start with you. When you're looking at this offensive tackle class right now, who would you say your top five is for your offensive, offensive tackles? I mean, this is an incredibly intriguing top five just because there's no one guy that stands out above the rest. But the reality of it is if you had to rank these guys from one to five, I mean, number one, I've got Northwestern's Peter Skaronsky. Again, a local Chicago kid. You look at him overall, I think that there's just a lot there to like in terms of him being a multi-year starter in the Big Ten, being a four-star recruit coming out of high school. He actually went to high school in the Chicagoland area. You know, has excellent um, fundamental play, really just kind of has power at the point of attack. And then you look at him, right? Really nice hands, excellent feet as well. And he's just able to kind of hold his own in pass protection. I will say the issue with Peter Skoronsky is that the arm length and the wingspan are a bit shorter than you would like, which then again kind of brings up the question of should he be playing offensive tackle or should he be kicking into playing left guard at the next level but if you were to sit here and ask me about a pro comp for Skaronsky I would tell you he is Rashawn Slater 2.0 who was drafted by the LA Chargers I think two or three years ago in the 2021 NFL draft but coming in number one Skaronsky number two I've got Paris Johnson Jr. from Ohio State, just a massive mammoth of an offensive tackle, coming in about 6566, right around 320 pounds. And what you love about Paris Johnson Jr. is that he pretty much just held his own last year, right? He started to understand the game, um, became, you know, a much more natural offensive tackle after having spent some of his early time at guard in Columbus. And then, you know, just his athleticism and ability to kind of move and drive guys off the ball, phenomenal stuff right there. And then, you know, when he does kind of get knocked down or pushed back, I think he's just able to go ahead and recover so quickly. But as big as Paris Johnson is, I mean, we have to understand something. Like, he's 315 pounds, right? Six was six. But he could still stand to add some functional strength to his frame and kind of just refine a bit of his technique. Coming in at number three, I've got Dewan Jones from Ohio State as well. He's another massive, massive, massive offensive tackle. And I believe for the Buckeyes, he was primarily playing on the right side this year. When you look at him, he's not your kind of traditional, you know, pass protector. He's more so of your right tackle. He's going to slide in, just be a mauler in the run game, drive linebackers and defensive linemen just off the ball with ease. Now, one thing you have to be wary of when it comes to these guys that are nearly seven feet tall, like Dewan James, is they get too overly aggressive at times. And their problem is that 
they pop out so much in college. They pop off the screen so much because the game moves at a slower speed. Then when they get to the NFL, they're not really able to kind of correlate massive size and massive length as well as a massive frame with the speed of the NFL game. Like they just can't make that natural adjustment that comes for some of these guys. And then fifth overall, or I'm sorry, fourth overall, I've got um, Broderick Jones from Georgia. He honestly has been a starter in Athens for basically two seasons rolling, right? And been one of the most fun guys to watch in this draft class. I think when you look at him, right? The athleticism and his ability to just get out in space and then move is phenomenal, all right? He makes it look easy. I think he's got really crisp footwork. And then on top of that, he's just able to kind of continue staying in front of edge rushers, not letting them get around him by any means, you know, and they're just athletic enough to go ahead and reset when needed. So what I love about Broderick Jones is that I feel like he's a player who, again, he's been a starter on two national championship teams, but he's also learning to go ahead and continue to just adjust, meaning there's a high ceiling there for him. And then fifth overall, I've got a bit of an underrated but polarizing prospect to some people but it's Oklahoma's Anton Harrison right again physically he's got all the tools needed to be a really good offensive lineman in the NFL you look at his length I mean he had some of the best kind of measurables in the scouting combine and then on top of that right just a really solid well-rounded technical player whose footwork could improve, but in terms of being a pass protector, like you can tell the tools are definitely there. So when you talk about Anton Harrison overall, I mean, he's a player where if he was kind of a three-year starter, let's say, right, or he was a guy who played all four years in college, he would be in a situation where he would probably be talked about as a first round pick but I think for him I mean looking at where he's graded he's late day two early day three guy or I should say late round two early round three guy Sports betting continues to take over the sports world, and with fall right around the corner, there's going to be action from every major league sports league across the country on our own TVs. If you're like me, you're glued to the couch watching as many games as you can. Our friends at Oz Trader have got you covered with all the odds for each major sports book from around the web, all in one place just for you. As an added bonus, OddsTrader even compares the sign-up codes and promos so you get the best deal possible. When you're trying to find the best book, it's always best to have the best sign-up codes and promotions. Sometimes those even come with boosts, even additional money deposits. The app gives you a complete rundown on any game, including statistics, injuries, key game stats, game day weather, keeping you, the fan, as informed as possible. And sometimes if you're like us, You've got multiple bets going at once. Odd Trader will keep track of them all in one place for you. So what we want you guys to do is this. Head over to oddtrader.com slash bluewire. Once again, that's oddtrader.com slash bluewire, the number one website for all your game day bets.
Yeah, I, I think when I look at the top five here for this offensive tackle class, and to me, it's almost like a top six because it was tough for me to even come up with a, a true top five. There's a lot of guys that I like near the top of this draft. Now, there isn't really, for me, in my opinion at least, there isn't really someone that stands out as like a blue chip. Um, you know, I feel confident with them as a day one franchise left tackle or franchise right tackle for what it's worth. At the next level, I think there's a lot of guys in this draft that are ca very capable of being quality starters, and I'm confident in you know, a year or two that they're going to be you know, plus players for NFL teams that they go to the right situations and they develop properly. Um, but there isn't someone – there isn't like a uh, – there isn't, in my opinion at least, there isn't a, a Panay Sewell in this draft or even a Rashawn Slater. I, I know there are some players that you, you, you compared Skaronsky to Rashawn Slater. I'm not sure if I'd go that far for him. You know, there are some players where I'm just I, – I don't see – you know, day one, the day one impact is the same for some of these guys. But upside wise, there's some guys that have a ton of intriguing traits where I do like the upside of a lot of these guys. And if you're going to draft offensive tackle, definitely want to draft these guys high because, you know, it, it's very tough to find these guys, especially with the upside that these guys have. So for me, starting off at number one, uh, Paris Johnson of Ohio State is my number one offensive tackle. I just think when you look at the blend of size, length, and athleticism, and the fact that he is already pretty decently polished, he's played on both the left and the right side in his NFL career. And, you know, for <laughs> it's ridiculous. I'm going to get to this one. I get to Dewan Jones as well, but 36 inch arms for Paris Johnson. Why that's important is because it just gives you as an offensive tackle more margin for error against these edge rushers, to be able to get that first punch on them. Um, when they're trying to beat you on the edge, when they're trying to get a bull rush move on you, having that, arm length is just super important for these offensive tackles. And he's got 36 inch arms, which is just crazy, you know, to have that level of length at that size as well. You know, you combine that with being, you know, six foot six, 313 pounds. He's an athletic guy. He can get on the move. Um, he's got really good feet and pass protection, or at least very good quickness in his feet and pass protection. Now he does, you know, have some, technical flaws he's going to, have to work on he's going to have to get stronger like you alluded to um, but if he can work on those things I think those are all things that he can improve on and get better at so for me Paris Johnson I think he has the best school tool set to be a franchise left tackle in this draft and I would if it were up to me I'd take him as the first offensive tackle in this draft class um, and I I'm not sure if I take him in the top 10 um, because he does have some things that I worry about. He does have some things to work on. He's not going to be a guy in his first year or two that I think is going to be playing at a Pro Bowl level. But year three, year four, when these offensive tackles start to hit, um, I think he's going to be very dang good if he goes to the right situation. Uh, number two for me is Peter Skaronsky out of Northwestern. Now, Skaronsky is a tough evaluation because, honestly, I think I might like him better at guard in the NFL than tackle. I mean, you mentioned – uh, the arm length as an issue, and it, it certainly is. I'm looking at his profile right now. I mean, 32-inch arms at the tackle position, like that's almost unplayable. You know, and I think it's – and it's interesting because Skaronsky, if you're just looking at his tape at the college level, it, it's probably the best tape in this class in terms of a play-to-play -play basis, you know, consistency, um, holding up against, you know, quality NFL competition at – the college level in the Big Ten. Um, you know, Skaronsky checks a lot of boxes there, but the 32-inch arms really concerns me. I think he's a really good athlete. I don't think he's a great athlete, though. Um, and when you compare that to Rashawn Slater, who 
in many ways was a special athlete at the tackle position. You know, I just have concerns. You know, concerns there. Rashawn Slater also had better arm length in general. And, and remember, there were, you know, concerns about Slater being a tackle in the NFL as well. There are a lot of people that thought he might have been better at, at guard. He proved a lot of people wrong with that. But I think for Skaronsky, I think it's a lot more of a merited for a discussion there. I think he's going to be better at guard in the NFL. But with that said, if you have to play him at tackle, I still think he has the ability to be a solid tackle. I think he has a very high floor just because he's technically sound. He can get on the move. Um, He's a very savvy player. He, he understands his role at that position. He understands the nuances of the position. But again, the physical tools in terms of the arm length, the the uh, size in general, just concern me for him. But with that said, I mean, number two, he's a first-round talent for me on my board. I, I still think he's a quality prospect, whether it's a tackle or a guard. It's just my preferences to moving inside the guard at this point in time. For me at number three, uh, Broderick Jones out of Georgia. He's another player similar to Paris Johnson who – you know, has all the athletic and physical tools that you want from an offensive tackle. You look at his profile, six foot five, 310 pounds, 34 inch arms, not as long as Paris Johnson, but that is still quality length to have for an offensive tackle and very good athlete. He might be, you know, if not the best athlete at offensive tackle in this draft, he's among the best athletes in this class at the offensive tackle position. Um, moves very well, very strong at the point of attack as well. Um, so he has that combination where he moves well on the move. He's very strong. He's got the length. He's got the size. Why isn't he the number one tackle? Well, you know, even though he's a first round talent for me, he's a guy who's very, very raw. His pass protection is going to need a lot of work. I'm not sure if he's ready to start right away without having significant help um, in pass protection, whether it be with chips or double teams and all that stuff, maybe even start him off at guard early in his career so he can get used to that and work on his technique. But you know, I think his his role in the NFL, I think he's going to be probably going to be better off in the run game starting off where he can use his athleticism and his strength to kind of overwhelm defensive line at the next level. But in pass protection, he's going to need a lot of work. So I think he's a guy that, again, similar to Johnson, probably not going to get the impact in year one or year two that you want. But year three, year four, it's a projection thing for him where if he can work on some things, he could be very good. And he kind of – I've seen some comparisons um, – Lance Zerline of the NFL Network compared him to uh, Andrew Thomas, who was a fourth overall selection by the New York Giants in 2020, I believe, or 2021, one of those two drafts. Um, but if you remember Andrew Thomas, he really struggled as a rookie coming out of Georgia, kind of had similar issues as Broderick Jones, although I think Thomas was a little bit better as a prospect than Jones, um, where he had to rework his pass protection technique at the NFL level. And Jones – Probably going to be the same thing, but Thomas, he struggled early on, but once he figured it out and things started to click for him in year two, year three, I mean, he's been one of the best tackles in football over the last couple of years. So I could certainly see a similar trajectory for Roger Jones. And then four and five for me, it, it was tough for me to kind of rank these guys. Number four, I have Anton Harrison out of Oklahoma. And five, I kind of opted, I, I copped out here. <laughs> I, I have Dewan Jones and Darnell Wright out of Ohio State and Tennessee um, sharing that spot because there's – there's six tackles I really like in this draft class. I think they're a tier above the rest of these guys in, in this group. Um, for me, uh, Dewan Jones, the selling point for him is just he's a mammoth of a human being. You know, six foot eight, 370 pounds, 36 inch arms, and he knows how to use that. He's a powerful dude. He's a big guy. 
the thing with him is that, you know, he's a good athlete for a guy that size. He's not a great athlete, though, so he's going to be limited in terms of the scheme that you can run for him. He's going to have to go to a gap scheme, a power run scheme um, that can kind of protect him and pass protection a little bit. But to have that length, and he's nimble enough as an athlete to protect the edge against speed rushers with that length and that power. You know, if you're going to try to bull rush this guy, though, he's, he's not a guy that you're going to be able to bull rush at the next level. So he's a guy that I think – He's kind of in that late first round, second round conversation as well. I, I personally would be comfortable taking him in the first round just because I know what he is as a player. I think he's very similar to, to a lot of these bigger um, offensive tackles like Orlando Brown, Trent Brown, some of these guys. And I think, you know, there's a place for those type of guys in the NFL where they can be starters for a long time with that length and that size that he, he naturally has. Anton Harrison, he's a bit more of a projection for me, but I like his movement skills and pass protection. I think he has a natural ability and pass protection to be good there. And, you know, those who follow me for a long time know that I value pass protection over run blocking when it comes to offensive tackle play. So Anton Harrison, I like his upside and pass protection a little bit more than um, Dewan Jones, which is why I gave him the nod there. And then Darnell Wright, you know, I like his tape. He's a very solid player. Held up well against Will Anderson when Alabama went up against those guys um, this past season. Now, do I think he has the highest ceiling amongst amongst these tackles? No. Dewan Jones, Harrison, they both have higher te- higher upsides, in my opinion. But Wright might be a little bit more polished and ready to go out of the gate. I like his ability to anchor and pass protection. He's not the greatest athlete in the world, but he certainly is not a bad athlete. He's a pretty solid athlete for the tackle position, but he's probably not the best fit, let's say, for the Bears who want their tackles to be able to get on the move in space and um, get to the second level. That's not really his game. He's more of a guy who's better – um, in a gap scheme, in a phone booth, and you know, much more nimble and pass protection than he is in the run game. So those are my, I guess, top six that we'll call it. Let's get to sleepers and overhyped prospects for tackles. Um, you said, give me one sleeper in this draft class at tackle and one overhyped prospect that you got. Yeah, and let me just say this, right? Really good list there. I think that – you have every so I will say my sleeper is Darnell Wright, and I understand I've been high on Darnell Wright. I think that he's personally a sleeper just because people aren't giving him enough credit. I think that there's a couple things. Number one, he had a phenomenal senior ball. Like he was the offensive tackle that kind of went into the week at the senior bowl and made the most money. Not many people knew who he was, especially on the Bears fan base. But then by the end of the week, it seemed like the only thing people would talk about was Darnell Wright. Now, with that being said, I mean, he's going to have to have a phenomenal pro day to even sniff the first round, but he's definitely the type of player where if he's there in the second round, you are likely getting a deal of a draft pick. Because if we're going to be honest every single year, like I remember, I think it was the 2019 draft where, Cody Ford was coming out of Oklahoma and everyone had Cody projected as a first round pick, especially the pundits on draft Twitter. And the reality is that people were so surprised. Cody like fell all the way to the second round. I think that Darnell Wright is kind of in a similar situation where a lot of people feel like he should be a first round pick, but he's just doesn't necessarily have the athleticism to warrant being a first round pick. And then I do think that at times, like you're right, the size does limit him because to me, a solid offensive lineman 
features, the simple quality of, hey, I can play pretty much any scheme that you need me to go ahead and play in, regardless of athletic ability. Because there's been tons of examples of guys like a Riley Reef or a Mitchell Schwartz, for example, that have never been hype draft picks, but they've always kind of just gotten by with solid technique despite not being good athletes. Now, the guy I think is personally overrated is Syracuse's very own Matthew Bergenson, right? I mean, I understand he's been a starter for Syracuse since his freshman year, but then again, he's just a guy that I look at and say, you know, where is all this extra hype coming from? Because he's played left tackle and right tackle, so the experience kind of is a green flag for him, but then the reality is that, you know, he's not able to use his massive frame to his advantage, and then, you know, the length and especially the arm length, like you look at as well as his functional strength. And you're like, it's lacking. He's going to be a guy who's projected high coming out of college. But when he gets to the NFL level is really going to have to work to um, just develop some sort of consistency overall. And to really warrant any spot to stick around on a team roster. I think with Bergen, what you're basically getting is like, a player that's high risk, high reward, right? In the sense that you're getting a guy who you know has his talent in the potential traits, but there's so much refinement that's needed there. You're not really sure whether a team should be spending, you know, a second or third round pick on him. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, Bergeron, he's gotten um, a little bit of buzz lately. I think he's a pretty good athlete. He's a very good run blocker coming from Syracuse. Um, the thing is, his pass protection is a mess right now. And I think when you're looking at tackles here, you know, what's his upsized pass protector? Is he someone that can be capable of, you know, being that blind side or even on the right side of the offensive line, a guy that can shut guys down at the next level? You know, he's a work in progress there. So he might be better off inside as well, kind of similar to some of the guys we've talked about here, Skaronski in particular. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's certainly – I've seen him in a lot of day two mocks, and I'm just not sure – it's – it's a little bit of a tough projection for me right now when I when I'm grading him out as as we're going through the process. For me, um, I'll look at my sleeper first here. Um, my sleeper in this draft is Blake Freeland out of BYU, and this is specifically for the Bears here because Freeland, you know, 
he's a player that's going to require going to a very specific offense, a very specific team that can use his skill set, which is very specific in nature. He is the perfect for that Shanahan style, that outside zone run scheme where he can get on the move, get in space, and use his athleticism to just delete people in the run game and get on the move and get in the position. Um, that's where he's at his best. You know, right now he's a project in pass protection as well. But here's the thing with, you know, Freeland, at least when you look at guys compared to like Bergeron, who maybe doesn't have quite the traits that uh, Freeland has. Freeland, you look at him, he's got nearly 34 inch arms. He's six foot eight, uh, three inch and two pounds. So he needs to get stronger there. But um, he absolutely lit up the combine. When you look at four, you know, a four, nine, 40 yard dash. 10-foot broad jump, 37-inch vertical jump, you know, 7.46 second, uh, three-cone drill, 4.71 second, 20-yard shuttle. Like, this guy is an athlete at the offensive tackle position, but he's just a guy who needs a complete reworking in terms of his pass protection technique. Now, he has the tools to be very good in that regard, but it might take a while for him. And here's the thing. Coming from BYU, he's going to be an older prospect. We know that. So how willing – how, how long are you going to be willing to be patient with him to develop that pass protection technique as an older prospect who, you know, he's a great athlete, but again, very specific. He's not the strongest guy in the world. He needs to put on a lot of weight because he's a taller tackle. He's going to get out leveraged by shorter um, edge rushers that can kind of get in under him, get into his chest. So that kind of worries me in pass protection. But as a guy on early day three, late two, day two, as a developmental guy, you know, I think he's a guy worth taking a chance on because especially if you run the style of offense that the Bears do run, he is a perfect scheme fit for that. And I think that it would make a lot of sense if you're looking for a guy just to bring in for to sit on the bench for two or three years to be like a swing guy for you and then maybe even be a starter down the road. Um, he has a, a he certainly has a very high ceiling to be something in the NFL and you know. I like the tools that he has. It's just a matter of can a team maximize that and the right coaching staff, can they maximize that? Now, in terms of players that I don't like in this class, a guy who's been getting overhyped, uh, Jalen Duncan, who I've seen routinely mocked ahead of Blake Freeland in the strats. Uh, Duncan, for me, out of Maryland, he's a guy that I just I don't get as much. You know, He's a, another one of these guys who's a good athlete, but he's not as good of an athlete as Freeland is. Um Pretty decent length, 33 inch arms, you know, six foot six, 306 pounds. Um, but I look at him again, he tested well athletically for the most part. But I watched his tape at Maryland and I just, I don't get it. I, I just don't get it. I didn't see a single game where he like stood out to me or he impressed me or I saw a trait that, you know, really got me excited for his potential at the next level. Again, like I said, good athlete for the tackle position. You know, there it might be something there for him, but you know, seeing him as a borderline second round, third round guy, it, I had me scratching my head a little bit because I think this is a guy who needs a ton of refinement with his technique. I think he needs to play uh, more physical. I think he needs to play with more of a you know kick ass attitude at the next level. Quite frankly, um, and there are a lot of plays where he just doesn't bring it, and he gets overwhelmed physically by some of these guys just not playing with the type of temperament that you want to see from an offensive lineman. So he's a guy that I would be comfortable maybe taking a fly around in the fifth round um, because of that athleticism, because of the measurables and tools that he has, but is he ready to play? Is he going to be ready to play for, you know, a year or two? And what's the upside there? Like, I just, no, I don't, I don't see it. I don't think the upside warrants is enough to warrant a high selection on day two of the draft where he's projected right now. Again, like I said, day three, I like that flyer right there. But right now the tape is not there. And 
you know, tools are good, but not great for me. Um, let's, um, let's go through to our next topic here. Uh, moving on from offensive tackles. Let's move on to the interior guys and go a little bit more, um, more of a lightning round for this. As we get to our top five, you said, uh, we look at the interior class this year. I, I think, you know, there's a bit of me that thinks that the tackle class is a little bit better. It, it, I would say actually significantly better than this interior class. Like this interior offensive line group is probably one of the weaker groups. If we're looking at positions throughout the NFL draft here this year, it's, it's not the strongest, but there are some intriguing guys at the top here that are worth talking about. So you say, what's your top five for interior offensive linemen in this class? Right. You look at him coming from Minnesota, just a really well-rounded player. I think a lot of people look at him as a player with a round two grade, but a guy who is going to end up starting on day one. And quite frankly, with his experience, his physicality, as well as, you know, just his broad skill set, he's able to basically play in an inside zone scheme, but he could also play in kind of a um, between the tackles type system. Really phenomenal in the run game, right? Gets out into space, strong at the, and physical at the point of attack. Local Chicago area kid, too, who played at uh, Homewood Flossmore High School. So I think, you know, with John Michael Schmitz, you're kind of getting the complete package. Coming at number two, a guy who is deservedly hyped because he's missing his two or three front teeth. Cody Mock started off as a tight end, transition inside. Um, So really just a guy that I think a lot of people fall in love with not because of the football player, but just because of his entire backstory. And I look at Cody Mock, I mean, physical, pretty good athleticism, just doesn't necessarily have the arm length needed to play tackle at the next level. So that's why you know he's going to kick inside. And quite frankly, like, He'll be graded out higher at guard than he will at tackle. You look at Osiris or yeah, Osiris Torrance from Florida. He's my number three guy. I mean, huge frame right there, just great massive length. And then I think when you look at the traits, right, you're looking at a guy who's got a lot of power, got good athleticism. You know, uses the strength to his advantage, especially inside, just not letting stronger interior defensive linemen kind of phase him or pull him down by the frame you know always seems to just keep defensive linemen's hands out of the inside of his chest so I think with Osiris Torrance you're getting an incredibly well-rounded player and then I've got number four Andrew Voorhees from USC now he is a bit interesting to me right because he's a guy that just blows defensive lineman off the line of scrimmage in the running game, a lot of upper and lower body power, but ultimately you look at him and you say, you know, he's there as a run blocker. Is he really there though, as a pass protector and would he be able to hold up? But I do think that there's times where you look at Voorhees and it's so mental for him because he struggles with the aspect of the game that kind of includes him being unable to go ahead and basically process what's going on, what faster defensive linemen are doing. And as a result, he seems to get beat. And then the fifth guy that I've got Alabama's Emil Ikior Jr. So Alabama's got some really intriguing offensive linemen, right? You look at some of the players they've sent to the league over the last couple of years. And again, you have to like some of them, but what I like about Emil 
Oikior Jr. is he's big, he's tough, he's physical, he's solid and well rounded as a blocker and in as a run blocker and in pass protection. The experience definitely there playing that album, but you just wonder, right? As an athlete, what he's not necessarily the greatest athlete, and then I think the over aggressiveness tends to hurt him at times too. Yeah, for me, uh, I have uh, John Michael Schmitz as my number one interior offensive lineman as well out of, out of Minnesota. Um, just a very solid center prospect. I like what he offers there. I think he's just very, very solid. He does everything you want from a center. He's a smart player. He's athletic enough to get on the move in that zone system, get to the second level. He's strong enough to the point of attack to move guys in the grunt game with his double, in double teams. Um, he's a pretty decent pass protector, has a pretty good anchor, like – he checks a lot of boxes for me at center. I think he's probably the safest pick in this draft um, in the, in terms of the interior guys. Now he didn't test as well as I thought he would um, for the center position. Um, you know, it, it's something where he's not like a bad athlete or anything, but I just thought, I thought he te- would have tested a little bit better personally, but I mean, it is what it is. I mean, to me, he, at center, you need a guy who's intelligent. You need a guy who's nasty, a guy who knows how to play the position and, Schmitz has a lot of experience at Minnesota. He brings a lot to the table. I really like his game. He's a number one interior guy for me. Number two for me is Osiris Torrance uh, for, out of Florida. Torrance, you know, he's going to be pigeonholed, I think, as just a guard prospect at the next level. There isn't a ton of flexibility there in terms of I'm not sure if he's, you know, going to be playing center. I don't think he definitely can't go out there and play tackle. Um, but as a pure guard prospect, like he's not the greatest athlete in the world, but technically sound in pass protection, strong guy, just knows how to, his assignment, very aware when processing stunts, you know, knows how to, you know, anchor all that stuff. Like again, similar to John Michael Smith, I think he's a day one starter. I think he's a high floor guy. Um, I don't know if he's going to be an all pro or anything like that, but I really like, I, I know what I'm getting out of him, essentially what, I, what I'm saying there. So you know, is he the best fit for the Bears scheme in terms of being an outside zone guy? Probably not, but for most NFL teams, I think he's a good fit and for a lot of systems. And to me, just day one, plug-and-play starter um, probably gives you good value there as a day two pick. I like him on day two. I'm not sure what the round one hype, but on day two, I, I like his value there. And, and the same thing goes for Schmitz. Like, there's no round one guy for me in terms of this interior class. I'd be comfortable taking all these guys on day two, but there's no guy that really stands out as a first round pick for me. Uh, my number three interior offensive lineman is Cody Mock out of North Dakota State. Now he played tackle for North Dakota State, but he has 32 inch arms, so he's probably he's not going to be a tackle at the next level. He's going to be a guard. What stands out for me about Cody Mock is uh, the athleticism. Very good athlete. Does a nice job of getting on the move. Like you said, you said no front teeth. So I mean, that's an automatic selling point for an offensive lineman. You have no front teeth. You got the wild red hair like he has. I mean, he just looks the part of an offensive lineman. I really like what he brings to the table. Uh, very nasty in the run game. And, again, he's perfect for this outside zone scheme where he can get on the move, use his athleticism, get to the second level, cut guys off. Like, he, there's a lot that he, he brings to the table that is a lot to like. I think he plays with a very nasty demeanor. He wants to drive guys into the ground, which I really appreciate about him. Uh, pass protection is going to need some time, though. Probably needs a year or two to kind of work on his pass protection technique, especially transitioning inside. To guard, but if he could do that, like he's a guy that provides five position versatility. I think he has the athleticism to stay at tackle in a pinch. You know, not a guy who I want starting out there full time because of the arm length, but you know, if you need someone to kind of go out there for 
to be like a swing guy. If you have, if you have injuries, um, he can certainly is capable of playing that spot, but at guard, I think, you know, he's got a lot of potential there. He needs to get stronger, I think, to anchor and pass protection. He, he can play some center, I think. Um, I love the versatility. I love the main streak. Um, I love the notes run teeth and I love the athleticism. I love the upside with mock. So he's my number three guy comfortable with him on day two of the draft as well. Number four, another second round, third round type of guy, Steve Avila out of TCU, um, you know, big guy, but also has, you know, underrated athleticism as well. I think for a guy at his size, um, about six foot four, 330 pounds, um, 33 inch arms, um, you know, tested pretty well for a guy of his size. I think honestly, Avila, he could probably lose some weight and still, you know, and that might actually help him at the next level because he's a naturally strong guy. I mean, we saw it uh, when, when I look back at the state of the series, he's not a guy that's going to get, you know, outworked, you know, physically too much in terms of strength. So, you know, I, I honestly think it might be good from the shed, like 15, 20 pounds, get a little bit lighter on his feet so he can move better at the next level because I think he's a naturally strong guy. And I really like, um, I, he's going to be just a guard or a center, but he's a guy who's, he can play all three interior positions. I think he can play in any scheme. If he decides to cut his weight down, he can pl- probably play in the outside zone. But even if he keeps his weight up and he's more of a mauler at the next level, you know, you can definitely use that type of guy in a power scheme or a gap scheme um, inside zone schemes definitely provide some value there. And I like his pass protection as well. Very good anchoring abilities. Again, not a guy who's going to get bull rush too much. Not a guy who's going to get overwhelmed with power. So um, someone that I think can be a day one starter right away. And I feel pretty comfortable about him there. And then, you know, my, I'm going to cheat again here. Uh, my fifth guy, I was deciding with, between two center prospects. Um, to me, there are two big 10 center prospects, Joe Titman out of Wisconsin, Luke Weipler out of Ohio state, two guys that I, I just think are going to be very solid pros. Titman, he's probably has more upside because physically this guy is just a monster. I, I honestly, if I'm just going to keep it to my top five, I, I, I I'm guessing you might have white as your sleeper. So I'm just going to hold off on the white discussion here, but Titman for me, um, he kind of has like all the physical tools you kind of want for an offensive lineman, especially in the interior. He's a taller guy, six foot six, um, his weight, what are you measuring at the combine? Looking up his profile right here. He measured in at the combine at 313 pounds. So, I mean, not like a mauler, like huge guy, but pretty good size, pretty strong guy. Um, played center for Wisconsin over, you know, the past few years. So he has some experience there. Good athlete. Can get on the move, get to the second level. It's pretty strong at the point of attack. The one thing with him to watch out for is as a taller guy, he can get out leveraged sometimes in the run game, which can be his downfall, but you know, good in pass protection. He rarely gets beat with power anchors pretty well um, can run any type of blocking scheme that you want. They pulled, they, uh, they pulled him quite a bit at Wisconsin. Um, they ran a lot of trap. They ran a lot of power. They ran a lot of outside zone. So he's, he's comfortable in any scheme. And I think he can play guard the next level too, um, because I think of the strength that he has in terms of the play strength, he can probably get a little bit stronger, add some weight, but um, Titman, I think he's a very solid prospect. So I have like a early third, late second round grade on him. All these guys I kind of have in the same area there. I'd be very comfortable taking on day two of the draft. So looking at this interior class, um, who's your one sleeper and overhyped guy for this class? You said, 
I mean, you went ahead and pretty much sniffed it out. Luke Weipler from Ohio State is indeed my sleeper. Let me say full disclosure. I think Ohio State's also becoming offensive line university because they've sent guys like Josh Myers, Wyatt Davis to the NFL. You look at um, a couple of the guys like Thayer Munford that they sent last year. This year, I mean, they're sending basically two guys that are going to be selected within the top two rounds. What you love about... Luke Weipler is that from a technique standpoint, he's just so solid. He's really sound in that aspect. You look at him and the body control as well as the ability to just move his feet are so smooth in pass protection. I mean, he's just a player that, again, isn't the greatest athlete, but is able to kind of go ahead and just win with technique overall. And, you know, as a blocker, I mean, phenomenal job in that area, too. So just his ability to go ahead and to control himself and, you know, just play with technique really sticks out to me. And then, you know, for overhype guy, I've got Henry Bainivalu from Washington. Again, a senior, you know, he's a guy who's built his entire career in college on measurables being six, six, about 345 pounds. And you do love the size mobility as well as the wingspan and the arm length. You love how smart of a football player he is, but then you also wonder, right? Does the big frame really work against him at times too? Because I just don't see watching him this past season. You never really see him use that six foot six frame to his full advantage. I mean, he's a guy who's not overly aggressive at times, doesn't always play with a mean streak. And then there's times where, you know, you can tell a pass that's going wrong on a specific rep and he unfortunately is not able to recover fast enough. So he is a player that a lot of people are projecting as a third or fourth round pick right now. I think he's more of like a fifth or late sixth round pick. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, for me, I'll start off with my overhyped player. It's Andrew Voorhees out of USC. I know you had him as your top five guy. And one of your in your top five, I should say, for your top guys in this class. For me, when I watched Voorhees, he's an older prospect, 24 years old. Um, a lot of experience at USC. I think he was a five-year star or something like that. A guy who played all across the offensive line for them. The question I have for Voorhees has to do with his athleticism, the fact that yeah, he was a starter for a long time, but like, why didn't he ever, you know, declare for the NFL draft? He'd been there for forever, and you know, he's always been on the radar of NFL teams, but he never came out until now. So, like, what was the holdup there? You know, is there something, you know, in the evaluation process that had, you know, that that had, had a question marks there? And then, 
you have you add all that up, you know, not being a great athlete, having some struggles in pass protection, all that stuff. He tears his ACL at the NFL combat, which is very unfortunate for him. I don't wish bad on anybody from that standpoint. Like it was pretty cool to see him do his uh, bench press test um, after tearing his ACL. And what, what we think is an ACL, I, th- I should say um, that was a pretty cool moment at the NFL combine just to see the competitiveness, see the toughness and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm not a huge Andrew Voorhees guy. I see him as a day three pick and I've seen him get a lot of day two buzz, you know, second round. But to me, he's a day three guy for me. And now you combine the ACL injury there, the knee injury, you're probably not going to get him for his rookie year. And the selling point on Voorhees is that he's a guy who's going to be pro ready, but doesn't really have the upside. So, you know, Voorhees is a guy that I'm, I'm just not sure if, if I'm very high on drafting him um, in the strats, especially for the Bears, because he's not necessarily a great fit for them. But then I look at my sleeper interior offensive lineman. Uh, I look at Braden Daniels out of Utah. He played tackle for Utah um, over the past couple of years, I think. But the one thing that stood out for me for Daniels was that this guy is an athlete. This guy can get on the move. He explodes at the second level. Um, Very nice first step getting out of his stance, getting to um, the linebackers, getting to the safeties. Very athletic guy. Um, Again, play tackle Utah. I don't think he can play there. He's a little bit of an undersized guy at the tackle position. I think he measured in under 300 pounds at the combine, six foot four, decent length, but not good enough to where I think he can last at tackle. I think he's an interior guy at the next level. I think he could be a great outside zone center if you wanted to play center um, and, and work on that the next level. But otherwise, I think you can play him at guard. He, he'll have to get stronger, I think, in order to um, you know play in the interior there. But I don't know. I just really like this game. I think he's a very good fit for what the Bears want to do. And as a day three guy, like, you know, why not take a chance on a guy with athleticism? Brady Daniels certainly has that. And he's an experienced guy as well. And um, I'll, I'll definitely take a flyer on that any day of the week. So uh, to close things out here, we're getting a little bit late on time here, you say, but um, we had to talk about the Bears strategy in the draft. We'll, we'll be talking about this, I'm sure, a ton over the next few months or so, but offensive line is going to have to be a priority for the Bears this offseason. We'll see what they do in free agency, but in terms of the draft, and I know a lot of this is going to be affected by what they do in free agency, but how would you address the offensive line of the draft if you were running the Bears? Well, I mean, listen, if I'm running the Bears, what I am doing is offensive line is one of the highest graded positions on my board. Look, I understand everyone sits here and says, hey, listen, they need playmakers. And yeah, the Bears do. But at the end of the day, you need quarterback. You have a quarterback. And in order to protect that quarterback, you need offensive linemen. And so the reality of it simply comes down to the fact that the Bears need to go ahead and invest in offensive linemen and really double or triple down. And that means that if in the first round you trade back far enough, a guy like a Peter Skaronsky or a Dewan Jones is on the board, you go ahead and you take one of them, right? Or even if it's a guy like Paris Johnson Jr. out of Ohio State, then you look into round two and say, okay, what's the pool of talent we have here in rounds two and three? Go ahead and take another interior guy there. And the reason I say that is because the Bears are going to address offensive line and free agency. That much should be clear to people, but the reality of it simply comes down to the fact that you can never have too many quality offensive linemen. And you know what? Looking at Ian Cunningham coming over from the Ravens and Eagles, looking at Ryan Pohl's time with the Chiefs, I mean, those were two organizations that 
basically invested so much in the offensive line that depth was never really an issue. It's never been an issue with the Eagles, never been an issue with the Ravens, not necessarily been an issue with the Chiefs. And when it was an issue, they went out and they basically overhauled the line one offseason. That tells me that you're going to see probably the deepest group of offensive linemen in the context of starters as well as depth that the Bears have seen dating back to probably the Lovey Smith days if we're going to go back more than a decade at this point because some of those Lovey Smith offensive linemen they did have depth those old lines the Bears have not had that over the last couple of years and quite frankly I think this is the offseason where we're going to see a lot of like plugging and playing going on. And just another quick tidbit, right? But the Bears, the only two guys, if you were to ask me, that should be returning next year are Tevin Jenkins and Braxton Jones. Everybody else should not be returning that started in some capacity for the Bears. And you can keep Larry Borm around as a swing tackle for some depth, but bring some competition in, please, and thank you. Yeah, I'll say this. I think it's pretty much a guarantee that the Bears can be looking to get a tackle this offseason, I think they're going to go after a right tackle. We talked about in the free agency roundtable, but I think Mike McGlinchey is probably going to be a lock um, to be signed by the Bears on the first day of free agency. Like, I wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. So, you know, if there's a tackle that they really like at the top of the draft, I wouldn't be opposed to it. But honestly, I think Braxton Jones showed enough. I think the, I think the Bears probably agree with this as well, but I think Braxton Jones showed enough as a rookie that I'm comfortable personally letting him, you know, play out this year and develop at left tackle and see what I have in him. So if they get a right tackle in free agency, that kind of changes things a little bit in terms of how I would address this. But assuming that they, you know, address right tackle in free agency and free agency and the interior is what you have to work about, worry about, you know, I think they could, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because this, this interior class is not great and in terms of depth, but there are some guys at the top that I think have some talent. So in my opinion, I think the second round is probably an ideal spot to get a guy like Cody Mock or even in the third round, you know, Joe Titman, Luke Weipler, if you want to get a center, if you want to get John Michael Schmitz in the second round, I think he's a guy that I would target there as well. I would like to get one of these guys on day two of the draft, um, whether he's starting right away or whether you know he's a developmental guy try to get one of these guys on day two of the draft. And then on day three of the draft, you know, keep on taking swings at it. You know, whether it's a tackle, you could take a Blake Freeland on day three of the draft. You could take another tackle on day three of the draft. There are some other options as well. Um, get another interior guy in there on day three of the draft. Like take some swings here at this spot to just, like you said, just continue to develop to death. I don't know what, you know, their strategy is going to be in terms of addressing the interior of this offensive line of free agency. But if they can address this in, in the draft a little bit and get better there um, and just continue, like you said, to add more talent to this unit, I think is going to go a long way. So I, I would expect offensive line to be a heavy emphasis in this draft. I expect the trenches in general to be a heavy emphasis. And if that's the case, it would it would surprise me if we see two to three uh, picks at the offensive line position in this year's draft alone, just to add some more youth and talent to that group. Um, so with that said, it's going to wrap it up for us here at the Pixar Polls podcast today. Um, for all of our podcasts here at the Bear Report, make sure to like, rate, and, like, rate, and subscribe um, at all pod, podcasting platforms here on Blue Wire Pods for the Bear Report. Um, make sure to follow us on sh- social media as well. First of all, for the Bear Report, at Bear Report, but also uh, at Pixar Polls on Twitter, at Pixar Polls. Um, you say, where can our listeners follow you on Twitter and find your work? 
Yeah, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Usaid Koshal. Check out my work on the Bear Report. Also follow us on TikTok at Shy Bear Report. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure, make sure to check us out there. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at HGFreeman25. You can find my work on the Bear Report as well. Uh, I think we're all looking very much looking forward to the start of free agency here. Um, and by the time we're here next week talking to you guys, we're going to be having some free agency uh, discussions to be had about potentially Bears signing some guys here. So I'm really looking forward to um, that next week. But until next time, Bears fans, have yourself – a happy and safe weekend and we'll talk to you guys next week where we got some bears off-season free agency football to discuss as well as with our more position previews so until that until that time bears fans bear down without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.